Welcome back, everybody, to episode two of the Future Freshman Podcast. Uh, I am your host, Brandon T. Sanders. You can find me at CFF University. Uh, I am pretty excited because we have another special guest, of course, from the C2C team. He is one of the co-founders and, uh, of Campus Academy. He also hosts uh, the Divi Debate on Wednesdays, which is live on YouTube, and uh, the Fantasy Football Roundtable podcast as well. And as Mr. Matt Brewing, you can find him on Twitter at SportsFanaticMB. Matt, welcome to the show, buddy. What's going on, man? Thank you for having me. I was uh, I really, uh, really enjoyed uh, the first episode, so I'm excited to be on here and get to talk a little bit with you today. Uh, you know, I sent you guys some uh, messages on Twitter with some of the talk you guys had yeah. on uh, one of my Buckeye wide receivers, but I'm, I'm excited excited to jump on here and talk yeah. with you a little bit today yeah man that's kind of the, the the emphasis of uh kind of why you're here it's like man i really wanted to jump in and talk and i was like well why not just have matt on and we'll we'll, we'll talk about that i was like what i want to call this episode is the bias episode because me and matt are going to talk about our favorite team so we want to pick two of the top recruits from each of the teams and that'd be north carolina and of course ohio state and just talk it up we can gloat a little bit we can talk about fits we could talk about uh from a cff and a c2c perspective are they going to you know make a difference or are we talking about short term are we talking about long term so that's what we're here and that's what the future freshman podcast is all about uh but what we are about here at the show is we want to give you that value for cff dynasty for redraft and for best ball which uh we just started just hopped in my first best ball for the year uh currently so we're in I think 12th or 13th round, maybe even further along than that. So I'm excited because it's slowly but steadily getting into the regular season. We got spring practices starting up. I'm excited. I got some spring games I'll be going to here locally uh, next month. So I'm really excited about what's to come. Uh, you know, doesn't really feel like an off season here because we're constantly uh, moving on to the next. And sooner or later, we'll be talking 2023 class. So I'm excited about that. Uh, so just to reiterate uh, from last week, uh, we do have the uh, the freshman and uh, supplemental guy coming out from C2C, um, where uh, if you want to pay a one-time deal, like again, it's $20, but for $30, you can get a whole year at Campus to Canton on the website, and that gives you access to so much more. That can be rankings, whether it's CFF, C2C, uh, all the articles. I mean, those are, aren't behind a paywall, but you have all that kind of information. And not to mention the stuff that as a team that we're using this money to build upon to make uh, things where we could have other things later on as far as content, things like that for you guys to have that's going to help you win your leagues and stuff like that. So, Matt, you're actually one of the guys that writ a lot of these pro, uh, profiles and stuff like that. Why don't you talk to the uh, the viewers and just tell them what your thoughts on the guide and, uh, you know, what you think is uh, a great value by by purchasing this, man? Yeah, I mean, it, it was a, a lot of work and it came together really quick. I'm, I'm glad and proud to proud to have been a part of this it's one of the cooler things that i've done for sure it was a lot of fun to dive into these guys it's it's definitely a a difficult process as you probably know looking at some of this stuff trying to find huddle tape or jumping onto youtube and finding full games it's a, it's a lot harder to watch tape on guys in high school compared to watching you know college players who we know the competition right we know drake london's going up against the washington secondary here when you're when you're going and looking at his tape when when you go in and look at like an andre green or keon grays that we're gonna talk about today you don't really know that they're playing some of the better competition there or, or who the players are there in the high school level so it was fun to go in and do that i mean it is a great value you mentioned you can buy it for twenty dollars but for just 9.99 altogether technically more you get access to everything. I think Jarek's tools alone on the website are worth more than $9 a month. You get that. You can dive into everything. It's it's a, It was a lot of fun to do the guide, though. I think all together, 
it, it's a great thing to be. We, we're glad, glad and proud to be, uh, you know, able to put this out here soon. It, it's going to be dropping very soon. I'm very excited to get it in everybody's hands and kind of get everybody else's thoughts on it because we're looking at it and like, man, this is amazing. And I want to see what other people think about it and, and, and their thoughts on the guide as well. And uh, do, do we have a like rough release date? I made a boo-boo last week. I thought it was already out, but it's not. So do you have like a rough estimate for the for the people listening or watching in? So we don't yet because we just added. Uh, you actually had on a uh, big wide receiver guy with Alfred. Big wide receiver guy is doing some very interesting stuff behind the scenes that we decided to add last minute to the guide. So I know I, I will say this and hopefully – I really do got to watch out because Austin does have like a hit squad that works for him. And so I'm, I'm got to hope that he doesn't listen to this too soon. I would say it's likely within the next two weeks it'll be dropping, but I don't have an exact date yet because we're adding a couple more things and, and polishing off everything before we send it out to the public. That's perfect. So we'll just round and say less than a month, guys, less than a month and it's all yours for the taking. Please, please grab that. Like I said, all the proceeds go right back to our website and to our team. That way we can improve and come out with different uh, metrics, different tools, and different things that you guys can use going forward as well. Uh, another housekeeping thing, of course, uh, you see it you know, down on the description below. Still have the price picks uh, code, so you could use the code CFFU. Get a 100% match, match deposit up to $100. Uh, like I said, no football right now, but if you're a NASCAR guy, NBA, maybe you PGA, if you like into the golfing, I know our friend Hannah is big into the golfing and stuff like that as well. You can earn and get these, uh, you know, you can win these type of earnings, get your bankroll up. So then when it comes time for college again, then we can start hitting on those fantasy ones like we'll sit, uh, like we'll talk about on the CFFU podcast. So, you know, that was the time to kind of get your bankroll up and get ready. But use that code CFFU and uh, like I said, the matching deposit up to $100. So please do that as well. Um, so we're going to move on. Like I said, the, the title of this episode is going to be the 2022 bias episode. And there's a reason for that because me and Matt are very proud of our teams. Uh, you guys have a little bit more success recently, but we are starting to see some production from both sides of the coin. And like I said, we wanted to do at least two from each team that's ranked fairly highly to go along with it as well. So we are going to start it up and let's add to the stream here and boom. Okay. And we're going to start with our boy, Devin Brown. So, Matt sent out a tweet, and he was like, I, I want to yell at you guys, you know, because, you know, the, the discussion was so good. He just wanted to hop in. So I was like, well, i got to have Matt here, and I want him to talk about Devin Brown. Does he think – is it a is it a bias thing, or does he really think Devin Brown over Cade Klubnik, or does he like Cade Klubnik over Devin Brown uh, when it comes to C2C? CFF-wise, uh, it's a toss-up for me. I'm still struggling on these rankings, so I wanted to bring in Matt to kind of – Tell me what you think. Uh, before we do, let's go over some stuff real quick. So he's six two and a half, uh, 196 pounds. I think he could easily get up to 210, 215. They have a great weight room there at Ohio State. I'm sure Matt knows more than anybody. He's the sixth overall quarterback in the 2022 class. I think he got snubbed just a little bit. Uh, I think he should have been maybe fifth or fourth. But as far as projecting on our website, whether it's C2C or CFF, he's ranked a little bit higher than the six overall. So luckily we had some a uh, varsity totals for per max press. So total passing yards, 7,900 yards passing, uh, 85 passing touchdowns, over 256.8 yards per game in passing, which is fantastic. Passing attempts, he did 825. And out of those 825 passing uh, attempts, he did 505 completions, had 32 interceptions. That's something uh, that we read over here on the uh, 
The scouting report is that he'll, he'll need to improve a little bit more on his talk, his touch and, you know, getting into tighter windows and things like that. But he does have a basketball background. He is can get out of the pocket pretty quickly. He's a dual threat in my eyes, even though they, they think he's more, you know, leaning towards more of a pocket passer. Um, we uh, added some of the stuff that uh, that Matt was telling you about as far as big wide receiver guy, but also got solving football. And he uh, let me know that he has a 50-mile-per-hour ball velocity, which I think is over the uh, climax that the guys there, the official, were talking about. So that's a great sign. And he has an NF comparison of Sam Darnold. If you told me Sam Darnold coming out of USC to the Jets, I would like that comparison. But after a couple of years at Carolina, not feeling it, just like I wasn't kind of feeling the uh, Zach Wilson thing from K. Klubnik. But these are just 24-7 guys just trying to give you a comparison of, like, look and feel. So don't really take that to heart, but that's things in particular. So um, we got the depth chart down below for those that are watching on YouTube. If not, I'll read it out to you, of course. You got C.J. Stroud, the redshirt sophomore. Uh killed it last season absolutely a stud he is a wide or he's quarterback one currently in cff drafts and that's in redraft and a startup as well then you have kyle mccord which is an interesting one that uh we'll talk about he's a red shirt freshman and he's backing up and of course we have devin brown coming in here he's the freshman out of this year um let's just talk about in general what you saw on film what you guys at c2c are like thinking what's your thoughts uh you know going into uh looking at devin brown and the situation there at ohio state matt yeah, I, I really like Devin Brown. I liked him before he actually even went to the Elite 11, which I think is really when his name started to take off. There were some things that I liked about him. He, he was definitely not as refined or as talked about before he transferred to, or I guess it wasn't a transfer college. He moved uh, in high school to Corner Canyon in Utah, which I'll discuss a little bit more about here in a second. But I liked him before going into the Elite 11. We talked a lot about him, and he's been a huge riser because of that. I mean, Quarter Canyon had Zach Wilson and Jackson Dart both at that high school. It's kind of become very well known for producing these kids at Utah. And he actually holds the single-season passing record. So he was better than Zach Wilson and Jackson Dart in a single season, which was his senior year in his, in his move over there with 4,881 passing yards, 57 passing touchdowns to a 14-interception ratio. So you mentioned just a minute ago, we, we don't love how many interceptions he's thrown, but still it's a pretty good touchdown-interception ratio, 57 to 14. But I, I really liked what I saw out of him on tape. I, I you know, going to the mobile part, because that's the last part you mentioned there. I actually do think he is mobile enough as well. I put on here that I think he's kind of like a Joe Burrow in his mobility. Like he's not someone who's going to use it a ton, but he has it. Now, Joe Burrow used it a lot in college. When I say use, I'm making that more toward the NFL. Like Joe Burrow uses it as more of like last ditch effort to get some yards because there's nobody open or he uses it to buy time and throw the ball down the field. And I do think that Brown is mobile enough to do that. He makes plays out of structure. Um, I do think that his pocket manipulation is really great. In, in fact, for me, I put in his profile because I did write him up for the guy that, in my opinion, it was the best in this class. And I try to be a little bit tougher on Ohio State players because I know people are going to think that I'm somewhat biased when I'm talking about these guys. And if you go back to early year Debbie debate stuff, you will hear me saying, like, I thought C.J. Stroud needed to be benched and that he should not be playing. Like, I, I try to be harder on those guys than I need to be sometimes, but I do. And it's hard for me to like Devin Brown because I was a big Kyle McCord guy. I thought Kyle McCord was going to win the job last year. I thought that he should have played. Now, he did get a chance to play in that game against, I believe it was Akron. 
was not a great game for him. He, he got better as the game went on, but it did not start off well for him. CJ Stroud proved that he should be the starter and, and be the starter this year, and I don't see any way Devin Brown sees the field because of how good CJ Stroud was. But, I mean, overall, I think he's a great prospect. I have him second in this class. Great arm strength. It's strong enough to throw passes on a line over defenders. Uh, in stride to his wide receiver. I think his mechanics are solid. He could improve a little bit there, but overall, I think his mechanics are really good. Uh, really good release as well. Gets the ball to his receivers in all three levels of the field. So overall, really good. He's my number two. I still have uh, Drew Aller ahead of him. As I just think Aller brings a little bit more, uh, but he is my number two in this quarterback class. Overall, really good player. I'm excited to see when he does get on the field for the Buckeyes, for sure. So what, what do you think is... Uh... Maybe the differences that set Devin Brown apart from, say, Kate Klubnick in the previous episode. I know you kind of wanted to chime in there. What's your thoughts? I mean, CFF, it makes sense, right? Like Klubnick, you might want to a little bit because he might see the field this year, whereas we're going to have a true, like when CJ moves over to the pros, which I believe he will, uh, we're looking at McCord versus Brown, you know, next year as an a epic, you know, QB battle and stuff like that. Uh do you see the same scenario type situation or do you, I mean, I know you look at a C2C lens, so like there's longevity and Alfred to his rankings has, you know, a club Nick over there, but tell me why uh, you either choose Devin Brown over club Nick or club Nick over Devin Brown, whether it be this year or next year. Yeah, that's, that's a tough one for me because I really didn't dive in hard into CFF stuff until last year. Last year was my first year work. Like I, I got to know, I've known John Lott for the past couple of years in the industry, but like really kind of dove into the CFF side of things. Started playing in my first CFF leagues last year. I've not jumped into a CFF dynasty league. So if you're talking like CFF redraft, I do think club Dick's probably the guy over Brown, because I think even if Stroud gets hurt, it's going to be McCord. McCord's been in that system for a year. He's going to have the experience where Brown is just now getting there. Like, yeah, he'll he'll get probably some rest, but I doubt he ever jumps to unless McCord transfers, which I still think is a possibility. You mentioned spring practices coming up. We might see if McCord doesn't, because I full transparency. I I I. I don't want to say become friends. I've been able to talk with Kyle a little bit here and there and his father as well, just due to us getting him on Debbie debate for an interview and just kind of some things that I've written about them. I've become a really big fan of him as a kid, a person. I think he's a really good guy. Um, and so I know that he believes he can still win this job. And so if he doesn't, maybe he transfers out. I don't know if he will or won't. If he does leave, obviously that gives Brown a better chance to play. But regular CFF redraft, I think Klubnik has to be the guy because you know we've talked about it. I know Austin's talked about it a lot on Twitter, on his show, Campus Life, on this network, that we know that there's no hesitancy from Dabo to pull D, from pull quarterbacks if they don't play well. If DJ doesn't play well, we could see Cade in this season where I don't really see that path for Devin Brown. But when it comes to, to like dynasty leagues, so like if you're talking CFF dynasty, I always am about the better player and the better value. And I think Devin Brown's going later in drafts. And I think there's no, I really believe Kyle McCord likely transfers. So Devin Brown might get on the field as early as next season. I think his ceiling is higher. Like when you talk about this class, I said, he's my number two. That's where my teardrop breaks for this class. It's, it's Aller and Brown. And then there's a tear break. I have club Nick at, at five right now. And I don't think, He's that close to those two at all. I think he's a very good quarterback. He has a very safe floor, but I don't see his ceiling being nearly as high as some of the guys that I have ranked ahead of him. And 
It almost sounds like Clubnet fits the Clemson mold. Uh, you know, whether you yeah. listen to Chris Moxley on Unfiltered or anything like that, like you can tell where it's almost not like unless you're Trevor Lawrence and you just transcend and you you know get better year after year, where you have to be recognized as a top fifteen quarterback in CFF or you know wherever that you're playing them and stuff like that. It's almost like you know Clemson's known as you know, getting, you know, running the ball down your throat as much as you can. So big fan of Will Shipley this year, for example. Um, but, you know, you might have a wide receiver, you know, come, you know, coming there. I'm, I'm expecting Bo Collins, but, you know, we could see a rise in Randall or Williams, uh, which we'll talk about in, in future episodes and things like that. So it makes a lot of sense where you're coming from. Uh, just to give your, you know, because you know Kyle a little bit, but you have seen Devin between Devin versus Kyle. Oh, who's who's taking that. it, bro? I got it. Don't, I, don't no, put d- me here. We'll just here. Uh, we'll, we'll put. We'll do this pre- the preface it. Uh, as of now, not not next year when the battle's happening. But if you had to do it right, you know, in this perspective, where you take taking? And Kyle, if you're listening, I'm sorry. I just have to put him on the spot, man. <laughs> I, I feel like I can work myself out of this with making everybody happy. If okay, Devin, I will be 100 percent honest. I have Devin Brown. When my rating system, um, I, I think Alfred talked about it on here last week. Uh, I, know, I know we've talked about it in our chat. I do like a by five in grading my quarterbacks and everything. Have you seen my YouTube okay. stuff on the rookies? I, that's the way I do it. I like to do it by five. It's just a little bit easier for me to come, come up with my total grade. Technically, Devin Brown coming into college is rated higher than Kyle McCord for me based on what he can do on the field. I will say if you're saying right now – I would give Kyle McCord the edge next year after CJ Stroud leaves because, again, that's two years in Ryan Day's system. And I've already seen some of it on the field with Kyle. Again, he wasn't great at the beginning of that game, but if you watch his full game there, he really picked it up in the second half, made some really good throws, and reminds you why he was so highly ranked. I want to say he was quarterback two for me last year in that class, maybe three at the worst, but he, he was right up there with what Devin Brown, Devin Brown beat him out by 0.8 points. That's how close they are for me. And I was a big fan of Kyle. Uh, I think that if you were to say next year battle, CJ Stroud's gone to the NFL, does it again. And those two Kyle stays and they're battling out. I would give the edge to Kyle because they're so close. And I think their games are so close as well. Overall that the two years in that system helps Kyle get the edge over Devin Brown. But I, I love them both had Devin Brown rated higher overall coming into college. Yeah. And I'll say from a, a CFF dynasty perspective, like Kyle McCord is still an asset because he's going to start somewhere. I mean, you can probably agree with me too, Matt, that Kyle is a starter at a college. It just depends if it's going to be Ohio state or not. Right. So I mean, he's yeah. guaranteed to probably be the starter. So if you, you know, now's the time to probably get value at Kyle McCord because, you know, there's uncertainty about the the spot next year. So if you're like, oh, no, you're Devin Brown truth, or you're like, he's definitely got it. Or you might be on the opposite side. Now might be the time. Uh, with Devin Brown, you're going to have to draft, you know, draft him in freshman drafts or supplementals or anything like that in particular. But with Kyle, now is the time to kind of make that move if you want to, because he's starting somewhere. Yeah, I mean, we, we've talked a lot about it on Debbie Debate again because we were able to get him on there and interview him for a little bit. And I, I re- realistically think like 98% of schools he could be the starter at right now if he transferred out. And I get why he doesn't. You know, a lot of these guys think they're the best. And let's also be honest with Ryan Day with what he's done with those offenses at Ohio State. It's also probably kind of hard to leave there because I think Kyle McCord – 
realistically, if he does stay, and he's only a one-year starter, if he puts up really good numbers, we saw what that did for Dwayne Haskins in one season. I think Kyle McCord's a better prospect already than what Dwayne Haskins is, so I could see his thought process behind it if he doesn't. But if he were to transfer, yeah, I mean, I think he could easily go to tons of schools. Like, I'd, I'd honestly kind of secretly hoped he'd ended up, like, going to Ole Miss before Jackson Dart entered the portal and went there. But there's a lot of places I think he could easily go in and be the starter right now. Might be a little bit harder. Let, transferring late if you know spring doesn't work out for him but overall i think he's a great player and yeah i'm with you you're gonna get a great player once he starts and gets on the field and is able to play football yeah even if he waits and transfers next year so at least he has you know backup in case i think right now like it's if it's evident if Stroud goes down mccord is the one that's starting right so it's like he still can build that value but he does have you know that prospect it's just one of those things where like ohio state's such a high octane offense with ryan day and Ryan Day is the QB whisperer, like we like to call it, and stuff like that. It's like it, it's stressful. But you just you just want the right, you know, quarterback going forward. We all know CJ Stroud's a lock, and like I said, if he blows up this year, he's going pretty high in drafts because there's lots to talk of the 2023 class as far as the NFL and going into the draft and stuff like that. 2022 is a bit of a down year. There's still some gems there, but 2023 is looking fantastic as far as the quarterback front and uh, some of the other skilled players as well. Uh, so just kind of keep that in mind when you're listening to me and Matt, you know, just I, I get it. It's stressful. You want to hit on the right guy, but it doesn't hurt to have either one because one of them starting for Ohio State and the other one's going to start somewhere else. You just hope that is a uh, offensive friendly uh, situation and that's all I can do if not trade now while the value's there and uh you know get you some pieces that you need to win now uh all right Matt let's move on to the second one we'll go on to my side of things and talk about uh, Atar Hill and that is Andre Green Jr. uh he is 6'3 190 pounds I think from what I hear from my inside sources he is already well above 200 now and climbing so he is putting in the work in the weight room um, the big wide receiver guy analytics, uh, Matt was able to drop me some knowledge here, and this might be some of the stuff you might see in the guide as well, is that Andre Green Jr. clocks in at 20.2 miles per hour when he's fully hitting his stride, which is great. You want to be above 20 miles per hour from what I was told. And uh, the Newton factor is pretty much your weight versus speed type situation, so mass versus speed. And he clocks in at 6,824 Newtons, not quite 9,800 like Nicholas Singleton per se, or someone like a Saquon Barkley who's also hitting in the 9,000s, but you're above the 5,000 marker, and that's kind of what you want to look for as well. Uh, I wasn't able to get any varsity ones, just like me and Matt were also talking about. It's hard to find a lot of information. You have to really dig deep. So I just went to the normal website. I went to gohills.com. Uh, he was invited to the Under Armour All-American Bowl, uh, the regular All-American Bowl and the Polynesian Bowl. Uh, he was team captain for both years uh, of his uh, his uh, prep days, helping as well. He tallied 85 catches for 1,456 yards and at least 17 touchdowns during his prep career. So that's a fantastic narrative to have. Um, and then he led his team to his first undefeated regular season, which is great. Uh, he also played on the other side. He had three interceptions by playing at cornerback and something that me and Jared discuss on, you know, his podcast that's coming out here shortly, which you'll hear first before this one is that it's good to have a guy that's an Ironman that plays on both sides of the, the field. Cause if you're a wide receiver, you already kind of know the CB tree, the corner, the cornerback tree. So it's good to have that in your mind, even though it's high school to college. And that's a big jump in performance and stuff like that still for Andre to have this type of, uh, to have this type of knowledge is ideal. Plus, he was able to play uh, basketball. I actually saw on uh, Max Preps, they actually have his basketball profile, which is weird because I couldn't find the football one. But that dude's just uh, – he elevates and dunks on people hard. So if you can think he can do that, his his specialty, especially in his scouting report, is that he high points well. He's got sure hands. 
Uh, at 6'3", he's just one of those guys he reminds you, like, if he can really beef up, I don't think he's going to be a DK Metcalf type of guy, but like a Rashad Bateman, just a taller receiver that can get up and has their sure hands, he can make it happen for you. And that's something that Carolina needs. Of course, we have uh, Josh Downs, who's the speedy slot guy. He's wide receiver one. We're looking at, uh, you know, the depth chart down here. He's the incumbent uh, guy, usually going first uh, round, late first round, early second rounds. We got the super senior coming back, Antoine Green. He was wide receiver two last year. He usually played out of the X or Y spot. So he'll play the opposite of where Green decides. I have heard rumors from the inside that Green will probably likely be in the X, but that depends on spring. So we'll see how well he uh, you know, gets a hold of the playbook and if he adapts well. And, of course, a guy uh, that I actually like is Justin Olson. He's a two-star recruit. Um, he hopped in at wide receiver three when Corrales went down with injury. Corrales now is at SMU. And then Joffrey Brown, who also transferred out to uh, the University of South Florida. So now we have an open wide receiver room, right? And this is where Carolina does its best when it has its multiple weapons. Uh, you know, from what I hear on the inside source, both uh, Mac and Phil Longo love them some Drake May. So, you know, that's – Take that for as you will. Still, there's going to be a QB battle there. But if anyone's listening, May's got the inside track. But we'll, like I said, we'll see what happens, right? But, uh, you know, having that one-two punch, and that's something that they have recruited well. They finally have a guy that we're going to talk about here shortly who's a fast running back. And they also have some, some we call it some beef, some meat there as well. And that's something that uh, Longo likes to do is to call the, they call it the thunder and lightning system. But you've seen it with Javante Williams and Michael Carter. Uh, they're both productive as far as CFF assets and stuff like that. So having now someone like a Caleb Hood or have a guy that we're going to talk about, George Petaway, in that spot, that also opens up the offense. So we saw a lot. Sam Howe, uh, you know, he's, he was known for his arm, but he had to adapt. He actually learned how to run better in the offseason, got stronger, and he's able to break those tackles. I think that elevated Howe a little bit more. But, you know, there's a lot of times he was looking for Josh Downs and he just wasn't open. And the rest of the guys just can't do the separation that Andre Green Jr. is capable of doing. And he's actually the probably the highest ranked uh, wide receiver they've gotten in a very long time, I think well over 10 years or so. And other than Travis Shaw, who they picked up on defense, he's the second highest reigning, uh, letting Carolina be, you know, top 10 in the recruiting class for this year, which is outstanding and a great gift for Mac Brown, the crew. Um, uh, you know, as far as, you know, CFF, we're talking you know, uh, ranking and things like that for Dynasty, definitely first rounder because I think he can produce year one. Uh, there's just not much competition that's going to fight him. Uh, so as far as the C2C or just a recruiting spot, uh, Matt, what did you guys uh, see with Antoine Green Jr.? What do you think his high points are? What do you think he needs to improve on and things like that? You know, we see the recruiting stuff for 24-7, but I like to get your guys' opinion either. So tell me what you think, man. Yeah, so Andre Green is an interesting player to me because I think he's a little bit raw, but I do like where he's going to North Carolina. Like I was a big fan of Drake May um, and a lot of my C2C drafts I did last year. I grabbed him, no, or at least thinking that he was going to take over for Sam Howe once Sam Howe left, who I was also a big fan of. I think Mac Brown has done a great job, whether you look at what he did at Texas to now what he was able to do with Sam Howell and developing quarterbacks. And in return, that helps your offense overall. So, what I what I noticed with Andre Green in my notes here is that I just I think he he's got a lot of tools, but he is very raw as a as a wide receiver. Um, interesting route running technique. I think he could improve on some of that. I saw a lot of go routes on what I was able to watch. Obviously, you'd like to see him expand that tree uh, a little bit more. As you mentioned, a uh, big wide receiver guy got him coming in like twenty miles an hour, which is great. You, you, that's definitely good, especially for a wide receiver his size. If you're into big prototypical size wide receivers. 
he's going to do it for you. When it comes to us overall, he ended up ranking into tier three, which sounds bad, but even those guys, in my opinion, are very productive for especially CFF and even making it into the NFL. Our tier one is very small, and then there's a, a good group. I and mean, we, we don't go more than like eight in any of these tiers. So to say that, you're thinking, okay, he's, he's within the like 15 to 20 range rank for us right now, um, which I think is fair. I think he's a really good wide receiver. Um, and if he can improve on his route running and everything, he's going to be a guy that I think can produce exactly like what Josh Downs is doing. I mean, obviously different wide receiver, different mold, different type. He's going to play on a, a different side of the field. He's not going to be in the slot. Or even if he goes outside like uh, Josh Downs does at times, like he's bigger than Josh Downs. He's going to have that over him. That I think he's going to be a really good wide receiver. I'm interested to see what he does. I don't know if he sees the field this year. But overall, I like him in that offense with Drake May. Um, and I'm really intrigued uh, to see where uh, where he goes. Where, where do you guys or where would you take him in a CFF dynasty? Like I said, I've never been in one. So that's, that's one of my goals this offseason to try to get into like a CFF dynasty league because I'd love to kind of see how guys like you who have been so ingrained in the CFF game take these freshmen who you may not get a year out of. Um, and then that kind of limits the the amount of time that you get out of them moving forward, right? Yeah, absolutely. Um, yeah, he, I mean, he he projects to be more like, uh, you know, if you're at the 108, 109, say if you're in a freshman draft. Uh, I've seen him as, you know, I, I could also see him early second if someone's at need at a, you know, at a quarterback because we have some really stud quarterbacks in this coming class as well. Um, but we also have some really great running backs too, one being, you know, Singleton we talked in the previous episode. Uh, there's just a lot of talent here. So I can see where he could probably drop almost to like probably the, you know, early early second round and stuff like that as well. Um, but yeah, I mean, you know, he's going to see the field, even if it's not this year, you still have a possible three years or at least two really great productive years. And in Dynasty, you know, it's all about, you know, it's just like NFL. It's just you don't keep them for 10 plus years at quarterbacks. Stuff like that. It's a different asset and a different mindset. Right. But, you know. The goal is to get as much as you can, of course. Uh, I doubt he red shirts because of the talent. I think they need him almost ASAP, you know, at least, if anything, for depth, right? So uh, I, I see, you know, at most a high end, you know, three years because if he does break out, there is the potential that his NFL star shines and then he'll want to, uh, you know, carry on and go on to the league and stuff like that. Uh, I think 24-7 says for now uh, he's got that, uh, I think, round two, round three, but he can improve on that if he, you know, uh, sharpens his his tree set. It, it's almost like he's raw. He kind of he does remind me of that DK Metcalf type feel where he just ran go routes nonstop. And in you know Longo's system, he's proven where Metcalf at AJ Brown was the uh, was the technician. You know that's going to be a Josh Downs situation. Josh Downs is all over the field nonstop. It doesn't matter, right? But with Andre Green Jr., they just need him to beat the coverage and high point up, and then he is a uh, but he is truly a red zone threat. And that's what I do like for Carolina. They need more of those and not depend on their shorter tight end who, you know, shouldn't be getting as many passes when you have, you know, good running backs and a good receiver like Josh Downs uh, well to kind of help out with that as well. So that's kind of where I'm leaning. Uh, but it sounds like in C2C, like he's still, and I don't want to say a question mark, but it sounds like he just has some, you know, just like we talked about in CFF, he just got some stuff that he has to kind of work on a little bit more to kind of get to a higher tier level. But I still won't count him out at all. Um, like I said, he's probably one of the best prospects I've seen wide receiver wise come to Carolina in over 10 years. So we're happy to have them. You know, those are other guys like Clemson and other ones that were after him really, really hard. And it would have been hard to see him at another ACC school tearing us up, stuff like that. So glad to have him on the squad. All right, let's move on to our next guy. 
And we're going back to the Ohio State well, and that is Mr. Keon Grays. Uh, he is the uh, 5'11", uh, as far as height, 170 pounds, uh, quite the burner. He's 14th overall in the wide receiver class. Uh, the big wide receiver guy, Mr. Matt, uh, has clocked him at 21.3 miles per hour, which is sweet. That is smoking. Um, and then he also has 7,172 newtons. So he, uh, for the height that or you know for the weight that he is and the speed that he's running he's right on par and trending up um you know once again we uh had a hard time finding anything on the max press stuff so went straight to the ohio state buckeyes website so he's a four-star prospect of course um the number two rated player out of arizona which is fantastic too he caught 21 passes for 380 yards and four touchdowns uh he only had played in five games he did have an injury but it looks like he is crystal clear and looking good um you i'm pretty sure matt might be able to kind of talk a little bit more about camp and stuff like that or whatever he's heard through the grapevine as far as how he's doing whether that's in the weight room or just you know as far as being healthy and things like that as well um he is the, the good thing he's one of 13 early enrollees so he's had time to really sit down with the playbook learn ryan day system already ahead of time mentally and that's great and now he just now they're going to uh, you know apply it to because you know, spring's practices are starting. So uh, me personally, I would say Keon Graves was probably my favorite Ohio State wide receiver. Uh, I just want to pass it to you and let you get started. Uh, what are your thoughts on Keon Graves? Was he your favorite? And uh, what do you see on tape, man? Yeah, he not only is my favorite um, Ohio State wide receiver in this class, and there was four of them that were all fairly highly ranked for the most part. He was one of my favorite wide receivers to watch in this entire class. He was actually wide receiver two for me overall. That That is how much I liked Grays. Um, I fought very hard to get him into tier one uh, of our wide receiver group in this guy. And I know Austin was with me. Austin's a big fan of him as well. I didn't quite get him there. Um so, as you mentioned, he was 170 pounds coming out of camp. He did, I believe, still measure in at the 5'11 mark. So, that's good. You, you, not much. I think he was listed at like 6 foot on 24-7 uh, on sports. So, really not much of a difference. Sometimes you worry when you see like 6 foot, 6'1, and then they come in and they're actually like 5'10. It's kind of a worrying thing. But he's already up to 175 on the weight, which I think is good. He's already added 5 pounds since being in camp. Hasn't lost any of that speed. You mentioned running at 21 miles an hour that is great and you i think we kind of knew that was going to happen if you if you looked at his stuff coming out of high school as uh brandon just mentioned it's very hard to find some of the stats on these guys he was one of them there wasn't really much you could find on what he did football wise on the field but some of the stuff that you could verify um and we talked about and i looked up was it was the track stuff which i think speaks to what matt and brandon just mentioned there with the 21 miles per hour. I mean, verified 11.3500 meter time, which converts to a 4.7340. Um, that was two seasons ago before the injury. I was I looked really hard. I've asked some people, couldn't get any real what the injury was. So that's a little bit concerning, but from everything I've heard, he's done great and looked great already in the weight room. So I'm really not worried about the injury side of things. Overall, I just think he's a very technically sound wide receiver already. Um, I think he's got a couple of very um, effective releases off, off the line. He's very explosive on his first step. He's very difficult to keep off balance. You can see wide receiver or cornerbacks, I'm sorry, like pressing him at the line or trying to use their physicality against him. Doesn't really bump him off the route. He does a really good job of sticking with that. Um, I do think that he is um, can be a deep threat, but I don't want that to fool you. That's not all he is. He is very dangerous once he gets the ball in his hands, which I think is a huge thing on Ryan Day's offense. Right, We saw it with JSN last year. It wasn't just the deep threats. They're not afraid to hit JSN with one of those quick screens and go. 
and Grays can do that. Grays, I think, is going to be huge in that part of the game. I think probably my biggest critique of him, and I do like that he's adding weight and maybe a little bit was with the injury, he was really easy to tackle from the film that I saw. Like He was one of those guys who kind of went down on first contact, didn't really break a lot of tackles. Now, it's not the end-all, be-all, especially if you're getting a catch you know, two yards behind the line of scrimmage, you just got 30 yards and then you get tackled. No big deal. You don't have to take everything to the house. I'd love to see him uh, improve a little bit on that. But overall, he, I think, is going to be the next future star of this Ohio State offense, whether it's, you know, McCord, Brown, or whomever they bring in. I know, I'll think of his name in a minute, but the the kid that they've offered that's supposedly going to be like a really good quarterback coming up in his next couple classes, um, whether it's him throwing Grays the ball, whatever, Grays is going to be an absolute stud in this offense. Yeah, when I was looking at it, I noticed, uh, and, and the, the scatter report says it too, but he gets incredible bursts. I see him as that yak guy, like what you're talking about, yards after the catch for sure. Um, yeah, I think adding his physicality and adding some weight, you know, a little bit more muscle, he might be able to break a few more of those tackles originally and stuff like that. So I definitely feel like he's got that, uh, he's got those same tangibles as well. And so that's going into the next part of the segment that I'll talk to you about is that this is a massive depth chart with Ohio State. It's just stud after stud after stud, five-star after five-star, right? So we got JSN, wide receiver one in CFF, right? Hands down, he's an absolute asset. Even if you only have one more year left before he goes pro, it's worth to have him in redraft in Dynasty because he's a game changer, right? Uh, then you have Marvin Harrison Jr. You have the lineage. He's the son of Marvin Harrison from the Colts, man, with Manning. That's like... That's epic if you think about it. And he broke out in the bowl game, right? And he just destroyed because Olave and Wilson weren't playing. They were getting ready for, you know, the spot. So Harrison is projected out of the X, which I love because the Harrison family is perfect out of the X spot, man. So, like, he's wide receiver too. This is where it gets a little different. So right now there's certain websites, and I won't say them because some I feel are a little bit better than others. They're saying uh, – I can't say his last name. You could probably say it a little bit better. Go like for it. There we go. I just call him Mecca. Mecca's just the easiest Mecca's good. way to do I'll it. I'll call him E-Square. How about that? So E-Square. There we go. Uh, he's protected out of the Y, but you know, but we have Julian Fleming, who's a you know five-star, one of the highest recruits in Ohio State history. I see some that say Julian Fleming, but now I see Keon Graves right behind JSN, and that's good to hear because even if Graves doesn't see it, maybe he's like a kick returner, punt returner, the occasional come in for plays and stuff like that, if someone's taking a breather or something like that. But next year? Out of the slot, especially, I love a fit for Keon Grays. What's your thoughts on this this depth chart? Do you see Fleming over Ibuka? Do you think Grays gets in the lineup earlier? Or do you think we're talking like uh, next year for sure, starting out slot situation? Yeah, I, I it's a loaded depth chart. Um, you know, it's it's fun for Ohio State fans, and you know, looking at this probably more like from a dynasty perspective because you know, like, and and how good these guys have been as well, but. Looking at the depth chart, I mean, I'm with you. Obviously, JSN, it seems like they're going to keep him in the slot. You know, there was a big thing about this with Garrett Wilson a couple years ago. He was outside, they moved him into the slot. Then this last year, they moved him back outside. I don't think they're going to do that with JSN. I think he's primarily going to be in the slot role. They'll move him around all over the place, but I think if you look at you know, the end of the year on how his snap split out, he's likely going to be in the slot more often than not. Marvin Harrison, I do think, is for the most part, just based on what he did last year and everything he's done since being at Ohio State, is going to lock up that X role like you were just talking about. So those two, I think, are the set-in-stone, at least starters right now, at wide receiver. 
The Z is is the interesting one. You mentioned a lot of sites have Mecca. I've seen that too. I think Fleming is going to win that job. Uh, Brian Hartline loves Julian Fleming. He hypes that kid up every chance he gets. Ben dealing with injuries. We know when he came into college, he was very raw as a wide receiver. He really kind of did everything. He became that top-rated wide receiver because of how athletic he was. He's just an athletic freak, but he didn't have to learn necessarily the nuances of the wide receiver position. I think Brian Hartline is one of the best in college football to do that. Julian Fleming's been with him for two years. Last year, dealt with multiple injuries that kept him out of spring. And then earlier on in the season, from everything I've been told, he's he's fully healthy. I think he wins that job. So this year, though, I still think we see Grays get on the field. Last year, more than any of the previous seasons, if you go in and look at the way they split the snaps, they kind of got back to this rotation they used to have under Urban Meyer, where it's almost like I've talked about on Debbie Debate hockey shifts. They've got that first string out there, then all those guys come off and the next next group comes in because of how quickly Ryan Day runs his offense. He wants as many snaps as he can get. So I do think that Keon Gray is likely from everything I've heard so far and just how good he is, he's going to be in that second rotation. What helps him, as you mentioned, he's going to be on special teams. And I think he's a guy that you can also move all around the field. He can be in the slot. You can throw him at X. You can throw him at Z. So he can go anywhere. I think that he's going to be in that second group. Now, do I think he gets a breakout? Probably not. Maybe he does like what Marvin Harrison did this year. If JSN smashes again, goes into the NFL, and then Grays really breaks out in the bowl game like Marvin Harrison did, we I, I could definitely see that. But I don't see him having like some huge season this year. But next year, I think he, it's going to be him, Mecca, and Harrison. Because even if Julian Fleming doesn't leave, I don't know that he's going to be that big of a difference maker to keep a role if he decides to come back for another year. I think he's probably like a transfer candidate if he does end up staying for one more year, which I could see because he he hasn't been able to produce. But I think, yeah, going into that 2023 season, it's going to be Harrison, Mecca, and Keon Graves with, like I said, whether it's Kyle McCord or Devin Brown at that point throwing the ball, all three of those guys are going to be in for a lot of targets and likely, again, a really fun and productive offense for you in college football. Absolutely. And I, I agree. I think it's going to probably be the bowl game where we start, you know, like JSM will probably will want to sit and start prepping for the for the NFL draft and stuff like that. So that's where we can start seeing Gray's in a full game. But I also think, you know, like you were talking about with the rotation, Ryan Day, you know, like I said, when you when you have stud after stud, when you have this type of depth that, you know, it's great to have that just swap out and keep going. I think we could see a game where, and I'm hoping there, you know, knock on wood, there's no injury, but in case an injury does occur and Grace has to come in and stuff like that, we could see those flashes a little bit early and stuff like that. Um, so as far as CFF and Dynasty, people are going to know where he was. You want to take Grace fairly high. I'd say that he's actually, if we're looking at Grace versus Green, you want to look at Grace ahead of uh, Andre Green Jr. Because, you know, you're looking at only probably a year and then you have someone that's going to step in to hopefully the slot or you know like i say he could play the z whatever he wants to do marvison marvin harrison jr is going to stay where he's going to stay for at least one to three years depending on what he wants to do basically so uh you know grace is going to be more mid mid uh, middle of the round so a 104 a 105 106 something like that particular versus what we talked about with green being later in the first round or early second so just kind of put that in perspective as well um, I was able to kind of do a little bit. So like I've, I've just been playing around and Matt, you can give me your thoughts on this too, that I like to take the uh, one point PPR standard format for uh, fan tracks. And that's usually like four points for quarterbacks instead of six points, really, really standard stuff, but it's a one point PPR format. Right. Um, so grays, uh, I took, 
with what I could find on his senior year, and he averages over 25 fantasy points per game. Now, I like to break that down a little bit because that's at a high school level. So if we brought that down, we're looking at still like 12, 13 fantasy points per game. Maybe that's what I'm thinking because I like to cut it in half just for the level of things to go along with it. If that's any indication of what's to come, uh, and like I said, these guys at Ohio State, they know how to break out. Look at what Harrison and Jigba just did in the bowl alone. So if you're playing any of those bowl leagues or you're playing DFS, you were racking in cash that day on that that one game alone between them and Utah. It was fantastic, right? Um, but that's what I've been looking into. Uh, what do you what do you think as far as fantasy production? Uh, you know, from just that information, what do you think uh, between like Grays versus say? Uh, Caleb Burton or anything like that, man. Oh yeah, I mean, I, I'm probably the biggest Caleb Burton fan at the site. I, I'm a little bit worried. I know um, you mentioned the official earlier with Alfred David, and and I don't know if he wants us to say his name. So I'm going to say big wide receiver guy, but and, and David solving football. Uh, they did the official on on the YouTube channel here for us, and they talked a little bit about how they weren't in on it because. I do think that the injury has affected him, but I just think the skill set is there. And I think we've seen Chris Olave was not necessarily considered like this huge speed threat and everything that he is now coming out of high school. He's a three-star coming out of high school, and they built him up into this. And I think Burton can take that same path. But if you're telling me right now, you know, we're doing this show in three years talking about the newest whatever four-star that Ohio State's bringing in, and we're talking about the guys that just left in the grays, Burton, Brown, Kojo, I'm telling you that it was probably Keon that had the best, not just career, but best overall year after year with them. He's just, he's, I think already coming in, uh, I feel like me and Austin probably talked a lot about this last year. I feel like he's very close to what Marvin Harrison was and coming in. Like Mecca was kind of raw, was the number one wide receiver, one of the top wide receivers, came out of his number one, but one of the top wide receivers in his recruiting class. But I was like, it may take time for him to get onto the field because he's not necessarily as like a route running savant that can do everything like Marvin Harrison can. That's Grays. It's like Grays is already such, in my opinion, again, I'm no college or NFL scout, just based on my untrained eye, what I watch and, and the way I feel about wide receivers. I think he's already so good at what he does. And then getting to work with Brian Hartline, you mentioned early enrollee, already there. He's going to get that spring practices, and then he's going to get some work, especially with Ohio State schedule with some of the teams they're going to blow out. I have no doubt we're going to see Kyle McCord in there in like the third or fourth quarter, and it's going to be guys like Gray's out there working with them. Just getting that added work into real game reps, I think Gray's is in for a huge year. Yeah, the fact that you mentioned he's already doing that good at a, at a high school level, I think you can expect that exact thing next season from him uh, in this Ohio State offense. Yep, and just to leave you with a little bit of a golden nugget before we move in into our Big Fish Small Pond segment is that the biggest thing for the fantasy points is receptions. This this kid reception machine. So if he gets this, the chance to you know accept some of those receptions, regardless we're talking Brown or McCord, um, maybe some Stroud this year as well, that's that's the key point. So if you are in a one point or a half point PPR, you're not in a standard format. Think about that at a fantasy perspective. That's really what's going to sell you. And I'm sure a lot of people, you know, in C2C will play one point PPR on both sides of the of the coin too, whether you're NFL or things. So um, if you're in that, just kind of keep that in mind as we're moving uh moving forward. All right. So now comes the segment two, and I know a lot of people are are very intrigued about this type of segment because it's called Big Fish Small Pond. And what we like to do is we like to bring in guys that are just under the radar. They're just not being talked about. Or if it is, it's like, 
maybe the recruiting process, like, hey, we got this guy, and it was like a two-minute discussion. The coach is like, yeah, we really like this guy. That's why we recruited him, stuff like that. But I see potential in CFF, and I see opportunity, and that's what we're looking at in a CFF dynasty and uh, maybe a waiver wire pickup and redraft. Of course, if this is a keeper league, this might be a guy that, uh, you know, like we were talking about last week, like uh, when we're talking about Matthew Golden, this could be the next Mitchell Tinsley or Kanata Mumpfield or someone that, you know, can move up and kind of make that happen along with it as well. So we'll move into the next slide here. And, oh, we forgot one. Never mind. We got to talk about one more guy, and then we'll talk about the Big Fish Small Pond. So my last guy from North Carolina, apologies, because, uh, you know, I hope he doesn't hear. But this is George Petaway, and he is a 5'11", 190 pounds. I believe he is above 200 now currently while he's all on campus. He's the eighth-best running back out of the 22 class. Uh, finally got some varsity total mix preps, so total rushing yards of 1,380 yards, average rushing yards of 11 yards per rush, uh, 126 carries, um, and then he, rushing yards per game, 115 per game. So the dude knows how to get it done. Uh, and then as far as rushing touchdowns, 21, and then total is 26. So he is a punt and kick return specialist to go on with it as well. Um, this is where it's uh, it's pretty cool. So it's like, uh, of course, big wide receiver guy, a.k.a. Matt. Uh, he hooked us up with the miles per hour, 20.2. So he is right at that thing as well. Uh, and he's above the 6,000 market, 6,824 newtons. Now, I think as Petaway puts on a little bit more mass, whether that's, you know, muscle and a little bit more of the thing as well. The good thing is, is that um, especially in the scout report that's on here that you can see or what it's uh, even if he adds more, it's not going to uh, mess with his burst. So like he's a very explosive, uh, elusive, great hips, knows how to wiggle out of situations. And like we talked about previously, North Carolina is at its best when they have a solid, big, beefy running back and a, a a burner pretty much that can kind of come in a spell or they could put them both on the field at the same time and create, you know, cause chaos. And that's what Phil Longo loves to do as you've seen him at Ole Miss and at North Carolina. So uh, here's the depth chart. And this is where the situation gets weird. Of course we have Caleb hood. He is the projected uh, larger back at the backfield this year. This is what I'm hearing from sources. However, this uh, we'll talk about another guy and uh, you know, at a different episode, or we'll talk about a little bit here with Matt is Amari Hampton, and I actually got to see Hampton. You know, I'm only two hours away from uh, from the Garner High School, so my friend lives right there close to Raleigh. So I was able to watch his game there with Cleveland High School and then go catch a hockey game like the next day. So it was a good weekend. But Amari Hampton is known as the Saquon Barkley of high school because of how much numbers that he produced. And I'm talking about – and we'll, we'll talk about another episode, but I'll just leave you at that to think upon and ponder. But he is the guy – that is projected that if Caleb Hood does not stand out or if he struggles in the first you know couple of weeks of play and stuff like that, that we could actually see the two freshmen eventually do it. Pettaway has the fast track because he is the burner. There's not many guys on this team that looks like him, uh, especially guys like Kamaro Edwins, who, you know, for some reason, and he's at Havlock High School, so he's literally like 20 minutes down the road. So I actually got to see him and talk to him a little bit, but he went from 200 to 230 by the time he got to campus. So I think he got too big. And that's something that Austin and Collins talked about on one of their podcast episodes. I'm sure that might've came up a little bit on you guys as well, as far as Debbie debate and things like that particular. So you're looking at guys like DJ Jones. He does have a, he, he gets banged up a lot. And that's the the issue with DJ Jones is like, he can't, 
and it's, it is frustrating both as a fan, but it's also probably as coaches, is that he just can't produce a full 12-game season. It's really hard right now, but he does have probably the most. Uh, we saw him starting to do it, but then it became the Ty Chandler show because DJ Jones just couldn't stay healthy enough to be the one-two punch anymore, right? Uh, we have British Brooks, who stood out in the bowl game. Uh, Brooks is a super senior, so he's coming back. He's got one more year of eligibility, um, and best believe he's going to try to make something of that. So we could see a Caleb Hood, George Petaway with the British Brooks and DJ Jones kind of filler and stuff like that as well. Uh, Elijah Green's a redshirt sophomore. Unfortunately, he's just buried under this depth chart right now. And, uh, you know, he just, you know, great, great school to go to, you know, be a part of. But I do see Green, maybe Edmonds down the road, probably transferring out. I have heard reports that Edmonds hasn't, did, he didn't do too great in practices. So I don't think, you know, and this is just hearing stuff, you know, and things like that. I have a little bit of an inside, but it's not set in stone. So, you know, just take this for what you hear. But Edmonds uh, is not – he has to work his way on the good graces of that team. So if he can do that, then we might actually see – I think if Edmonds slimmed back down and went down to like 210 or 220, he could give Pettyway a run for his money, and then we could see Edmonds and Hood. But for now, you're likely going to see Hood and uh, Pettyway, and that's where uh, this makes a lot of value for George Pettyway, and that's why he raises up. I believe in C2C rankings. I know Austin and a few others have ranked him fairly highly as far as freshman and where I would probably rank him in the uh, first round because I can see him year one at, uh, you know, getting play there, being in this lightning role, they like to call it, and having Caleb Hood as the, the thunder process. So what do you think of George Petaway? What did you see on film? What have you guys discussed as far as overall between Petaway and how do you like the fit at Carolina? Yeah, I mean, I love the fit. Again, I, I mentioned earlier, a big fan of, of Mac Brown. I, I live in Texas, even though I'm from Ohio, big Ohio State fan. So I got to deal with the Texas nonsense all the time. And UT is the school down here. Uh, but I, I, all my friends, I've been here through the whole Mac Brown era, loved what he was able to do with Texas. And then again, I've loved what he's done with North Carolina. I've become kind of a closet North Carolina fan because I was a big fan of Sam Howell. Still think he's one of the better um, college prospects coming in that quarterback this year, even though he gets a lot of hate because of him, in my opinion, losing all his weapons last year. And he still had to do a lot to keep that offense going. But you mentioned Longo. I think he's got a really good offense. Uh, for me on Petaway, I think he's a very good running back. Um, definitely dangerous I think in in his running style I think he's more of like a slashing runner definitely very good receiving back which I like you mentioned kind of that light thunder and lightning duo I'm torn on those like I've got him and, and Hampton very close what worries me with Hampton obviously is he came and I think it was like 18 miles an hour which we know from Matt is not good at all but I see a lot of, and I know Felix has said this, and I 100% agree with Felix, I see a lot of Javante Williams out of Hampton. And if I'm being honest, I like that running back better than like the Michael Carter style you see out of George Petaway. But I do agree with you that because of what Petaway can do, especially on the receiving side of things, we could see him on the field early, and they we know that they like to do that. And so I'm very intrigued to see what he does. I think he's got a better shot getting on the field sooner than Hampton does. But if I'm looking at both of them, like technically right now, I have Petaway two spots above Hampton. It's very, very close for me. They both actually came in 
uh, near the top of tier three for us at running back. It was, it was, it was a very interesting discussion because for a while we were very split on the two of them. And then everybody, except for a couple of us kind of came away on Petaway being the by far better running back. And it wasn't close for some of the guys. So it's going to be really interesting to see what happens because they've got a lot of good backs too. Like I know, you know, British Brown and DJ Jones may never be like big NFL names, but they're still good at the college level. So to have all those guys, Kamaro Edmonds, a guy I loved last year, he was one of my top rated running backs. I'm with you. Like he could lose some of that weight. He could be on the field. So he's got a lot of competition there, but overall like Petaway in this class, I think he's one of the better running backs. And I, I hope we do get to see him on the field sooner rather than later. Yep. Um, completely agree. And let's just hope that, uh, you know, it just gets better. If, if may, or, you know, if somehow Chriswell does get that start, it's just good to have those weapons we saw. And I agree with you. I, I love Sam Howe. I still think he's a really great NFL prospect. I think a team should really take a chance on him, let him sit for a year and then let him, let him explode. I think he had to at a necessity become more of a runner just because of the lack of the weapons. And I think he, uh, you know, whether they're good or bad habits, he just had to create some different habits because of the year versus what he had. But there was times where Howe still got it done, whether that's the Wake Forest game, the pit game, whatever the one that you want to kind of reference, he could still get it done with the arm. So we're hoping that kind of transitions when we're looking at May, uh, and these targets. And like you said, George Petaway is a receiving back. Um, so he does have that Michael Carter fill. We see what Michael Carter is capable of doing when put under a decent, uh, you know, line and offense. I'm not saying the Jets are fantastic or anything like that, but it's a good fit. And Michael Carter, you know, has you know carved out almost a RB1 role. I think, you know, uh, some of those guys have kind of left that backfield. So it's kind of wide open for Carter to kind of take. Um, I do see a lot of Javante Williams and Amario Hampton. When I was running, I mean, I get it like, Javante was like a three star. So he kind of grew into like a, a nice four star and then became a, you know, second round pick. So he really earned it. Hampton is like that, but Hampton now has this four star and this pedigree and these like really great tangibles. And he's right there close to NC state and Carolina. So he went to all these camps in high school and stuff like that. So the, the guy is just going to run people over. And I've seen a stiff arm that looks similar to Derrick Henry and it's absolutely nasty. So, I mean, like, uh, He's Amari Hampton has come to Carolina to not play games. Uh, so at the same time, like, but Caleb Hood, he does have that one year under him. He's got Longo system down. I don't, I think Hampton is at campus now. I don't think he was an early enrollee like a, a Keon was that we talked about or anything like that. But I do know that, uh, Petaway, uh, you know, Petaway, uh, Green and Hampton Mall have kind of showed up on campus at the same time, which has been, I think, in the past month or so. I think so. they are in the weight room and they do have a playbook. So that's a start. And then spring practices start up and I'll be at the spring game. So I'll be either uh, doing some tweeting or some video or something like that. We'll see how it goes, whatever Jerry wants to do. And we'll see what, what unfolds. Right. All right. So now that I did a previous, um, you know, a tease of the Big Fish Mall Pond, now we can actually do that and kind of go along with it. So. Uh, let's talk about Peter Kikwata. He is a three-star. Um, he is the he's six one, 170 pounds. He's from Germantown, Maryland, right? 80th wide receiver in the 22 class. A lot of wide receivers in this class, but this is a three-star, and he's still in the top 100. So that shows you the depth of four-star and five-star uh, prospects that we see this year, right? He got recruited, and that's like sending a recruit to them by Florida State, South Carolina. Virginia Tech, West Virginia, Illinois, and even Penn State. And that's the same guys that are looking at a uh, Caden Saunders and things like that in particular. So the guy has some tangibles, right? So let's take a look at why I think he can produce. So 
he's got a total grade of 0.8757, which is a really high three-star. Literally, he's like you know, two points away from a four-star prospect, right? So the guy that came in from West Virginia that set the uh, OD uh, offense on fire, Allie Jennings, right? So he's a junior transfer in West Virginia. He's wide receiver one. Uh, can be found a lot on waiver wires and or uh, he was a late pickup and stuff like that. But he is their wide receiver one and he's a CFF standout. So Allie Jennings is actually ranked, I wouldn't say, in my top 20 to 25 as far as CFF rankings overall, right? Um, and then this is also the same one that produces Zach Kuntz, who is a you know a higher end tight end in CFF. I'm not sure how you guys think Kuntz is specifically at C to C, but when it comes to value in CFF, he's really good for the dynasty or redraft since he is coming into his junior or senior year, I believe. But other than that, uh, Kickwater only has to deal with Javon Harvey, who's a redshirt sophomore. He's a two star recruit at 0.7842, right? Jordan Bly is probably would be his other one. He's a three star. A recruit he was there uh, to to the you know before this year he was their top recruit at 0.8356 so he was more of a true um i would say uh three star whereas peter kickwada is more of a higher tier leaning towards four star so we're talking about ali jennings being a point zero or point eight five one eight a three-star recruit in 2018 right and that's west virginia and then he transferred to a lower FBS score, G5, so then he could get the start. And you see what the wonders has done for him in CFF, and that also put people on the mat. Now scouts are starting to look at him. Um, you know, if kick, uh, you know, if say if Ali uh, Jennings does well, maybe he wants to go back to P5 because he's still got technically a year left if he wants to, or if he gets enough buzz, he could just be one of those guys where you know uh, a Matthew Golden like we talked about last week, where yeah, the NFL prospects don't don't necessarily look at G5 all the time. But these kids are giving them reasons to start to, right? And, like, we can, we can always say that between Old Dominion and Houston, Houston is definitely – they shouldn't really be considered a G, you know, G5. I believe they are going to be in a P5 here pretty soon. So that narrative changes, and so does for Cincinnati and, and teams like that. But Old Dominion is a true G5, uh, smaller FBS school. But the, what they're doing here in Norfolk, Virginia, man, I'm, I'm liking it, man. I think Kickwater has a spot um, – it's looking like wide receiver too, because um, I think Bly is going to play out of the uh, the Z, the slot. So it looks like Kickwater is going to be the other outside of Allie Jennings. Uh, granted, it's going to be Jennings and probably Kuntz is one and two as far as receiving options. But we're looking at a third wide receiver or you know a third passing option and a kid that is pretty high higher tier. And that's when it, it stood out to me. I was like, wow, Old Dominion, right? Probably the highest recruit they've had ever maybe and these bigger these bigger schools were recruiting and trying to get him on their roster for depth but he chose a school where he can produce right away and that is a cff uh beautiful you know uh you know combination uh i i know you told me that you were just looking into him today but uh what are your yeah. thoughts just seeing the depth chart and the recruiting and stuff like that man yeah, I mean, I'm 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 excited about him. I'm, I'm I was almost kind of hoping, like when I saw him on the show sheet. I won't lie to the people here; like I had no idea who this kid was. I was like, "What are we talking about? Who is this kid?" So I went, looked at some of his huddle stuff, and and went on YouTube. Uh, the one thing I say, I definitely think he he can improve a little bit on his route running, but really good hands from what I saw. Pretty decent speed as well from what I saw. I'd, I'd be very curious if we can get Matt to do like a miles per hour on him because there was a couple big runs on his tape that I'm sure he could he could record the the speed on what I did like in some of his uh, routes where he did like inside slants. I liked how his, uh, he seemed very fluid in his hips and being able to kind of dip and fake to the outside before cutting back in. Uh, but I think he's, he could be really good. Uh, 
Old Dominion's offense scares me a little bit. I mean, you mentioned Koontz. We have him as tight end 22 right now. Granted, that's because he's being dragged down by one ranker, and I know he's going to listen to this, so I'll say it. Felix, I don't know if he really knows who that guy is. He's got him ranked fairly lowly, so I think I that's say, why does, he's... Does Felix know who Zach Koontz is yet? That's what I'm saying. I don't know. <laughs> he probably doesn't, you know, just like he doesn't. He didn't know who... Um, who uh, Michael Trigg was, you know, but uh, yeah, he, he's the one who's kind That's of bringing right. that down a little bit, but he's, he's very highly ranked for the rest of us. A couple of us have him in our top 10. So we're, we're big on Coons. And then you mentioned Jennings. I feel like just based on what uh, Ryan did last year, their offense pass success rate was only at 39%, but they did pass on early and neutral downs 46% of the time. So that's pretty good. Like it's not, uh, obviously those higher end offenses are 50 plus, but 46% is not bad. So I feel like this year you can probably, you'll probably get some out of him because I agree with you on where he'll be playing and everything. But I think Jennings and Koontz may get a bulk of that offense. But if Jennings leaves and this is his offense, and let's also be honest, you just mentioned, you know, Jennings transferring in. Like, if, if Peter goes out there and has like a good year or two and then possibly transfers to a, 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 you know, better school with an even better offense and blows up, you know, if you're just focusing on it from a C2C side here, you could have just gotten a steal because I doubt this kid's getting drafted in freshman drafts or in, in C2C drafts. You could snag him with literally your last pick and produce for you for the next two years. And if he ends up transferring, or even if he just stays at Old Dominion and has a massive season that year, like you're going to get a guy possibly, I think, has a chance to maybe go into the NFL or at least produce for you multiple years on the college. So that's a great find by you. And I'm, I'm a little upset that this now has to get released because everybody else is going to hear it, and I can't just like hide him in a corner for me uh, in my leagues. Yes, unfortunately, I'm trying to bring value and – Bring all these sneaky picks and stuff like that. I didn't even tell I was on Jared's pod earlier, and, and you'll you'll see the CTN episode. But I was like, Nah, man, you're gonna have to you're gonna have to watch the show and listen in. And I was like, Get the gold star ready, and you know, get your markers and stuff like that. I was like, If I if I'm the guy that's gonna drive the value up in freshman, I was like, I'm gonna zig when you guys zag. So I might be giving you just that initially was like gonna be my. I'll get him in round 12 or I'll pick him up on the waiver wire after my fresh one. So I could get more supplemental players. Cause I'm in desperate need of more tight ends, but we'll see how that is. Right. Uh, but you know, uh, this is the world of CFF dynasty. You just never know what you're left with after the graduations and stuff like that. But um, you know, this is, this is why we're here. And this is why, you know, uh, the future freshman podcast exists is like, we want to bring guys that usually wouldn't get the clout other than like a two minute conversation from a coach. Like, yeah, we brought this three-star in. He looks good. He should have, uh, you know, ample playing time right away. N- no, I, I, I want to bring them to the forefront because one, I think they're deserving of it Two, You know, uh, this could be someone that you can and, you know, who knows? We've got a couple, you're a couple months away from like freshman drafts and stuff of like that moan, moanly, you know, amazingly. So, Maybe some people will forget. I doubt it, but you know that is the only thing is finding these diamonds in the rough and finding these uh, these situations where I'm just like, holy cow! How, no one's talking about this person. Like you look up on Google, there's barely any like articles. It's all just like huddle stuff or a random YouTube video. I'm just like, at least we have that, right? So thank goodness for the internet and stuff like that. But uh, being in Norfolk, I think Old Dominion. I don't know if they're playing Carolina this year or not, but I'm hoping they play maybe ECU or something like that, and I'll be able to kind of catch them live. So hopefully, I'll be able to see them on a Saturday, and uh, that'll be glorious. But just for now, keep your eye on Peter Kickwater. Make sure you circle the name or give it a little star. There's just potential. I just when I saw him immediately, I was like, this is Kanata Mumfield of this year, man. Just that's what I feel in my heart, man. I just that this you know having a receiver that ranks high that goes to a small school like an Akron or Old Dominion 
It's just got, uh, you know, potential and opportunity written all over it. So we might be a few months uh, ahead on the wire than everyone thought we were going to be, but here we are, right? Um, so we're going to move on into the, uh, you know, the end of the show here. So I want to thank you, of course, Matt, for joining me as well. Uh, why don't you let the people know where they can find you, projects you got going on, um, and just any comments that you have as far as CFF and CDC going into the new year, man. Yeah, well, thank you for for having me on. Anytime I get to talk Ohio State, I love it. So I, I appreciate you having me on. You know, those guys on Debbie Debate give me a lot of crap. We got a tracker now every time I bring up Ohio State. So I appreciate when I can go on and and everybody can just let me talk my bias and be okay with it. Uh, you can find everything and anything I do over at CampusToCanton.com. Uh, I do a lot of the YouTube content right now. I've got some rookie profile stuff up there. I've got to do mock draft Monday videos every Monday. Um, I got a Malik Willis video dropping on Tuesday. My thoughts on him going into the NFL. I got Matt Corral, Sam Howell, and um, somebody else, and I can't for the life of me think of who it was. Uh, but I got all those guys. You'll see a bunch of content coming there. And then, obviously, uh, we got the Freshman Guide coming out, a bunch of other news coming out uh, with the site. Uh, what I'll say is if you're into Dynasty football, if if you like the college side, I think jump into a CFF league. And even if it's not just C2C, like my – knowledge of c2c leagues got so much better when i jumped into some cff leagues last year because of learning those players learning of like the jacob cowings of the world and those guys who blew up in cff leagues that like i like i'll even um my goodness what's his name malik cunningham for louisville like he won me games he won me leagues last year because and he's not a guy we talk a lot about in c2c because i don't know they really has any nfl potential but he's a guy who does a lot on the cff side jump in the cff league even if it's only one because i guarantee you it'll help you as well on your c2c league just give it a try i promise you'll love it and then you know you'll just become a diehard, a fanatic, and and probably lose your mind like the rest of us do every Saturday. And that's what makes it fun, though. And just to add to what Matt was saying, and some people have heard it on other episodes, like I came from the NFL side of things. I written for the fantasy footballers and dynasty nerds. So I was a dynasty and redraft NFL guy. And then when I found CFF, guys like we talked about, like John Lobb, the OG, uh, you know, uh, Mike Brainbridge, one of my friends there over the CFF site, and then Coach Joe over at the CFF site. Those are like some of the original guys that I found when I came over, and I was hooked. So here I am, years later, as an you know an analyst, and uh, this is how I feel about C2C. Now I'm like, wait, I can do both of them at the same time and get points. Sign me right up, please. So now, you know, now I'm getting even deeper down the rabbit hole and learning that type of stuff. So once again, that's why I think people should get the guide. You know, when you're first year guy like me, yeah, I might, you know, know the college side and NFL side, but it's good to find people that know how to value uh, a C2C trade, like a Barkley versus Jameer Gibbs, like we talked about on, on Jared's podcast, things like that, where it's like, what, what do you need to do to make trades happen or make transactions happen that's where like i'm trying to get better at and jared and nate and a couple of us over on the cff team that's where we're starting to learn while we you know give out this knowledge and information to the guys at c2c so then they can get better at the college side and then we can all just be better experts all together and that's what it's all about um like matt said uh keep every keep them locked to the c2c uh channel whether it's the youtube or uh the website some really cool ideas and stuff like that coming down the pipe that i'm hoping that the guide will supply us the the funds to be able to do and things like that so there's going to be cool tools you can use and stuff like that stuff that you see on the nfl side of things you might be able to see it in the college side of things down the road you never know you just got to keep your eyes peeled right um but once again i want to thank matt for coming on of course you can find him at twitter at uh sports fanatic mb of course i'm brandon sanders you can find me at cff university 
please, if you have questions, uh, at me, DM me. Uh, same thing for Matt. I'm sure he'd be happy to have it as well. Um, and just make sure that you help support one another in, uh, in the community, regardless of what we're playing in fantasy football. You know, uh, just encourage you guys to lift each other up and keep it going. Uh, and we just want to thank you for listening in this time. And if you're watching, thank you for watching on YouTube. And we'll see you in the next episode. Peace.